Asian art, I'm interested in how they're questioning ways of doing history and how their work makes more and more apparent or visible the fact that there's histories. There's not just one history and that from where you look, you think about history differently. What escapes the sovereignty of the self? Would the body escape the sovereignty of the self? And how can we think about sovereignty of the self when we think about the fact that the, our identities are informed by education or normative stuff that we integrate and that we don't even realize that, that are limits. For this episode of Art Talks Montreal, I spoke to writer and independent curator Anne-Marie Saint-Jean-Haut. Anne-Marie is currently assistant curator and assistant director at the SBC Gallery of Contemporary Art. We sat down to record this interview in a corner of the Belgo building, between a set of elevators and a row of open windows. So I was wondering, I guess we could start by describing the exhibitions that you've curated. Uh, maybe the Fercom C exhibition, you could talk a little bit about it. Uh, you curated it at the Regional Museum of Rimouski mm -hmm. in 2012. And also, if you could talk about how it led to the second installation, I guess, of the same, I don't know, I have no idea, but the second one is re C, same title, but again, um, that it's, it's going on right now at the Maison des Arts Yes. Okay. Well, the project in Rimouski started because um, they have a program for emerging curators, and so I applied for that and got um, selected to do the, my project there. I wanted to work with uh, Julie Favreau, Vicky Sabourin, and Jasmine Carrier. Um, I proposed a project around the idea of living pictures, tableau vivant, and I started really that, I, that idea came up uh, while I was looking at their work together because they're all um, kind of staging um, performances in areas and that we, we can feel it's a staged event and we see it through the video work. Whose work was at the Vitrianale, and it was a room, and there was all of this wood. Julie, Julie, Julie Favreau. So she used sort of a. There was an actor in the piece, and it's as though the piece was a set. It was an installation, but it was alive, but it wasn't. But exactly, yeah. exactly. And there was the idea of mise en abîme, which I'm not sure what's the word um, in English for that, but mise en abîme would be. I, I don't know. The one thing that um, reflects another thing that reflects another thing exactly. that reflects another thing. Exactly. And so uh, the idea in the installation at um, the Musée d'Art Contemporain in Montreal was that the, the set where the performer was um, performing during yeah. the exhibition was the same as the set uh, used to do the video work that was also projected in the same room. Mise en abîme, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. the idea of mise en abîme. And so yeah. for Julie's work, it's that the, the installation is, um, is open to the public and the public can see that it's the same set used in the video work that is presented in the installation. So it's as if they can step into it almost. Exactly, okay. and become the performer that we see in the video work. And so Julie's work 
was presented in La Triennale, but mm -hmm. and uh, Jacinthe Carrier's work was also there. What was her work? It, it was three projections on um, screens that were um, close to the floor, and um, it was filmed in a in a landscape where we could see stations with different performers doing different actions in their own areas okay. and it felt like little tableau each Des station felt like yeah little tableau okay. and uh, Vicky's work I saw it in an exhibition in Circa in 2011 I think during the summer um, or even 2010, I can't remember the exact date, but she was doing their performance where she's in a kind of a set um, and it's a very minimal performance. She just stares at people doing one action and but the, the presence of her, of, of her, of her, space, her presence, yeah, yeah. is um, very intense and you feel looked and shaped a little bit. She makes her uncomfortable. Almost. Yeah, exactly. And the way that she, the action she was doing there uh, was eating cherries. But the way she was doing it was very uh, seducing or, uh, and so it also for me um, reminded me of um, uh, the count. Uh, um, fables. Yeah. Story, story tales. Exactly, because there was that that bear. What was her, the set? Um, it was a bear and a, a life-size bear. Yeah, a real one. Okay. Uh, empaillé. Uh, a stuffed bear. Yeah. Well, the the a real bear. A, a real bear. Yeah, that, that was tax oh with taxidermy a, bear. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> brown. A brown. Yeah. Okay. And uh, a tent and a little lantern and a basket with the cherries and she always have a very minimal costume that doesn't really, that almost doesn't look like a costume. Mm -hmm. um, and she, but very pretty. Like There's something about it that's girly almost, yeah. or feminine, but yeah. in an extreme way or performative way. Yeah, exactly. And she, she plays on the, with the idea of woman and girl, like the, okay. the, that line. So sexuality crossing. comes into it, and she's pushing yeah. bones. She's pushing borders. Yeah, and so these these three projects together made me think of living pictures, and I wanted to invite them to um, to do that, that project at Trinsky. In in that exhibition, I wanted to really think about uh, links between paintings and and performance, and so this the exhibition is. Uh, stage in in a way that you first encounter uh, photographs where there's that distance between the viewer and the, the work mm -hmm. and then you see uh, Vicky Sabourin's dioramas if we can say that in English yeah, that's what they vitrines are. Yeah. Um, where she was performing during the opening um, and there's something, she has a theater background and so that's why also her presence is so uh, strong. Mm -hmm. And there's something about looking uh, that is really important and that draw the spectator in her work because she's looking at you and so you become very... Self-aware maybe in that yeah, gaze, usually engaged, when you're thinking exactly. about art. You're, you're 
we're always thinking of the spectator's gaze, but she's... Yeah, exactly, reversing that. And as a woman, also, there's all kinds of connotation. And so, slowly, the spectator was uh, drawn in the work, and then, at the end, Julie's work was an installation working a little bit with that idea of... Um, mise en abîme. Mise en abîme, exactly. Uh, where you, you, there was a, a mat on the floor um, that really um, framed framed the installation, and so the viewer was invited to get in the space of the work, mm -hmm. and so the tableau became uh, special. When Laval, because the exhibition now at Laval um, is is on now. Like the conversation between the three artists uh, was interesting, and so I wanted to like, show it again. And they suggested to do a part two instead of showing the same exhibition to do um, to, to continue to think about what could be explored through the yeah. relationship between these three artists. And so I, because the exhibition ended with Julie's work. The one in uh, Laval starts with that work. It's the only work that is the same in the two exhibitions. Yeah. And uh, from that work, what I was interested in is how the tableau becomes an installation. And, um, and also that idea of the plasticity of uh, identity. And so I was thinking the relationship between the performer and the artist. The artist Julie yeah. is working with a performer, and so how does she direct him? Um, in the case of Jacinthe Carrier, she's also always working with performance, uh, performers, um, and she directs them very differently. And Vicky, I never, she's usually working alone. She's the performer. Yeah, but for this exhibition, she did a, a uh, performing a group performance for the opening where she invited people to perform in her work yeah uh, and so she really dived into that idea of how to direct other people. other people and is is the my question was can we think about that relationship in the same way that we think about the uh, the relationship between the sculptor and the material, like, are they sculpting the performers? Oh, are I they, see. like, manipulating? Mm -hmm. Is it, can we think? How are they changing the performance as matter? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can see that the, for me, the spectator is more and more drawn into the work and its position in the space is questioned more because the way I wanted to think about this exhibition was the spectator as an object of the gaze mm -hmm. and more than just him looking that the that he can be looked at the show looks back yeah, yeah. exactly and every piece do that it's really that idea of how to um, place or think about the place of the spectator in this space that, that I wanted to uh, look at in that exhibition. That sounds good. And what, what's your relationship to the artist that you worked with? 
My relationship? Yeah, your your friends with them are what what develops as you're working on a show with these artists. So you're not telling them what to do. No, <laughs> are you guys collaborating in the thought, or you know? We have a lot of conversations. It, it depends with each artist, of course, it's different, and with each project. Um, but what's very for me interesting is how uh, when there's new works involved in an exhibition, so the work doesn't exist. And making a work specifically for that for exhibition. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I never ask for that. Like I don't ask them to develop new work. I tell them what I'm thinking about with the team of the show and what interests me mm-hmm. in their work. And, and from there, it's always very... Uh, open? Yeah, they're very open, but it's always very... Um, it's kind of a gift when they offer to do a new work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, um, like for me, I feel very privileged when they do that. And so to then the discussions are very, um, like I get very involved yeah. because I, they ask me questions, I give them my opinion, but it's always very clear that they can take whatever they want from what I say because I don't want to direct anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can say, I do say when I think something's not working or I do push them. So uh, there's some guidance or trying to make sure that the work fits with the exhibition? Not necessarily with the exhibition, but um, that the work does what they want the work to do when through the conversation. <laughs> that it fulfills its maximum potential yeah, within exactly. the framework of... Yeah. Of, of the show, but also yeah. of their work and mm-hmm. their ideas, and so I question a lot. There, I yeah, I ask a lot of questions. It works for some artists. It doesn't work for others. Has of it not course. worked for certain artists? Um, it's been more difficult for with some artists uh, mm-hmm. uh, or this group oh, okay. exhibition, for example, Farcomsi, Rafarcomsi is very different than solo exhibitions. And I worked with uh, Tania Ruiz-Gutierrez mm-hmm. on a show at Galerie de Lucam and Cinémathèque Québécoise. And I realized that um, the conversations that you can have or the, like the place of the curator is very precise in a group exhibition because it's the discourse around the work, what brings the those works together, like these artists together. And so you're very, your place is well defined. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a solo show, it's your point of view as a curator on one artist work, but also like then the line between the curator's intentions and the artist work or intention is less well defined I find yeah and you probably have to it's based on how you already negotiate the relationship that it will develop into whatever show I don't know if I express that properly it well, depends on how you relate to each other yeah exactly how and blurry that line can get exactly. or how, how how much the wall will stay straight yeah exactly and, and it's more complicated I think just because it's more challenging maybe have to think about where my voice is in relation to the work more, as opposed to a group show where, of course, mm-hmm. the voice of the curator is the voice yeah. 
that is the theme of the show or the wider altogether. You're not defending one word, so you're not just talking about that work, you're talking about the relationships between. And it's the same thing with a solo show, of course, you're talking about the relationships between different works in the space, but all of the same artists. And so the intention, how much can you differ from the intention of the artist? Yeah. Um, and that wasn't a question in the show, but my proposition or the way I interpreted the work was very, like, in a certain way, and I'm not sure the artist would have done that outside of that show. If it was up to her. Yeah. She was very open about it, and because, of course, if she wouldn't have, we wouldn't have done the show. <laughs> but, the, but it made me really realize how the two kinds of projects operate differently. Yeah. SBC Gallery of Contemporary Art has shown some pretty interesting programming and they developed a, not a mandate, but I guess they've been dealing with sovereignty over mm -hmm. the past few years. And you work there as assistant director and assistant curator, mm -hmm. is that right? Um, what are your ideas on sovereignty and how have they changed or developed through your participation in the gallery's programming? I realized that it's a very broad concept and it became something very confusing, I think, <laughs> to look at it uh, one through of the shows, all kinds of angles. Yeah, one of the shows that I saw, I saw Fault Lines, or I mean, mm -hmm. I saw several of them, but that's one that I tried to write about and it was very much about personal subjectivity and political sovereignty and language. There, there was all these, and law, and all these things kind of intermixed, and there might have been one, two, at least four or five or six works. There was a lot of different works, and I think as I was trying to write about it, and I, I was never actually able to bring it together, because I could see how certain things were connected and how certain mm -hmm. other things were connected, but there was almost no bottom line. Not that there had to be, but for me, in the way that I was writing at the time. I, I really liked it, but I also found it frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so go on. Well, the idea be behind the focus program at SBC is... It's called the focus program? The focus program. Okay. And the theme will change or the concept will change. And so for now it's sovereignty, but it might become something else. Yeah. Um, is that we address a certain subject through, uh, through all kinds of um, different projects. And so that you can unpacked a lot about that subject through looking at it uh, in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so the fault line was the first exhibition addressing that, that, um, that theme yeah. of sovereignty. And yes, you're right, it was about translation, language, law, <laughs> uh, trying to uh, put it all together, subjectivity. And for me, sovereignty, became very interesting in the way that Pip framed it as... Um, Pip Day is the director of the gallery. Yes. Yeah, go on. And she... In the way that she, she framed it as the sovereignty of the self. Like sovereignty is being in control or autonomy or self-contained or I don't know. That's how I read it, that idea of sovereignty of the self. Mm -hmm. Because that's really... It's not just sovereignty that she uh, addressed, it's sovereignty of the self and through our conversations I realized it's more sovereignty of the subject that she meant but 
Uh, but sovereignty of the self made me think, well, there's the self, and so through philosophy, there's self and there's the body, there's that uh, separation yeah. between the two. And I thought, I was reading at that point, um, Journal d'un corps of Daniel Pénac, which is a, okay. a French author. And thinking about sovereignty, while I was reading that, I thought, is can the can the body like when are we tricked or that we lose control can the body uh, work uh, autonomously yes would that be a way of thinking what escapes the sovereignty of the self yeah would the body escape the sovereignty of the self yeah so in relation and how can we think about sovereignty of the self when we think about the fact that the, our identities are informed by uh, education or normative stuff that we integrate and that we don't even realize that, that are limits. Well, the, the ideologies that we carry around with yes. us as cultural baggage all the time yes. without necessarily unpacking Exact, or we don't unpack them because we're not even aware always mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. there. And can we be sovereign in that context? Ah. How can we think about sovereignty of the self when there are limits to the self that we incorporate or integrate or, uh, without even being aware of those limits? For me, I think that relates very much to sovereignty of the not-self. That's not the right way to put it, but to political sovereignty of different groups because it does have to do with... Maybe it's not necessarily the body, but um, constraints that may be beyond your control mm-hmm. where sovereignty gets infringed upon is maybe too light, but where it's curtailed or where there there's a friction... Yeah. It comes into play. You said you did your graduate work on, or we've spoken before, and you did your graduate work on Rebecca Belmore. Mm-hmm. What do you think about First Nations art within a Quebecois or a Canadian context? Because here, I mean, I guess we're both born and raised in Quebec. Yes. And sovereignty is an issue, but it means very different things to mm-hmm. different people. Um, and I, I don't want to make an easily easy, you know, settler colonial binary because I don't think it's it's that simple. Um, but I wonder how and where the cultural histories that underpin different practices of, let's say, Indigenous artists and non-Indigenous artists, where they overlap and where maybe they're kept separate by maybe our cultural biases or those ideologies. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense as a question? Um, it's do you not think a question. about sovereignty in relation to Just, uh, First Nation I guess so. I guess so. And And I was thinking you've done work on this one First Nation artist, and so maybe that kind of stuff has come up. When I looked at uh, Rebecca Belmont's work, I I wasn't thinking about sovereignty when I I looked at her work, uh, and more about construction of identity and how cultural bias or stereotypes or prejudice informs our way of looking and framing things. And so, more and more, when I look at First Nation art, I'm interested in how they're questioning ways of doing history and how their work makes more and more apparent or visible the fact that there's 
histories. There's not just one history and that from where you look, you think about history differently. Here at SBC, we heard more and more through Cheyenne's show, for example, this word settler, which is, I'm not sure how to uh, use that word in French. And that's, I realized that through our discussions at SBC because I was trying to translate this for myself in order to understand, understand more. Mm-hmm. And settler, there's, there's colonizer and there's settler. And in French, I think there's just colon. Like that people who came early on and they were workers. They, yeah, were, they exactly. worked in the forest with the people who were here. They were doing yeah. their own thing. They were steady marchands. Businessmen. Exactly. exactly, but they were colonizing the land but at it, the it, same time. I still I don't feel like when I learnt that word in school or when it's talked about now, it's kind of used to describe backwards people who have no manners in our lower class. But yeah. it's not used to describe, you know, cultural violence yeah. or genocide or any of these other things that we associate yeah. with colonization. Yeah, exactly. And but it and so that that nuance between colonizer and settler I'm not sure how to. Uh, I'm not sure where it is in French, and so through the discussions, it may be very um, like trying to articulate my position. Am I a settler? Like that's how the, it's framed right now. The word is used to describe present um, a present situation. It's not just to think to talk about historical situations no. it's really acknowledging like for Cheyenne it's uh, Cheyenne Turion it's acknowledging our settler positions right now and yeah I'm not sure how to think about that and I find this very in- like interesting my me not being able to articulate this position very yeah. well for myself yeah um, interesting and this is really like first nation artists that make me realize how histories are being constructed, but also what are what can we do to acknowledge this history right now. When we did um, the, uh, some of the events in Stage Set Stage, the show curated by Barbara Clausen at um, SBC last year, uh, I was asked, one evening I was presenting the work of Maria Oupfield, mm-hmm. Uh, with Cheyenne, and I was asked to do the territorial acknowledgement. In French? And in French, yes. And I I don't know why, but my first reaction was, well, I know why. My first reaction was a bit uncomfortable to do that. There's no territorial acknowledgements usually, and and we don't hear, Cheyenne was telling me, we they hear territorial acknowledgements a lot in Toronto, but also in the West. Mm-hmm. in all kinds of situations and in here in Quebec I don't and in exhibitions here we don't hear territorial acknowledgements a lot and it made me made me think about what does it mean to do that territorial acknowledgement yeah and how can it be more than just okay we have to do it because it's this context like it's just a polite thing, thing to, to do, do. And because I was asked to do it at SVC, I didn't want it to sound as the polite, politically correct thing to do in that context. I understand. I, and because I'm very interested in like all those questions, and I feel 
that there there are problems still with you need First to think Nation. through how you want to approach your territorial acknowledgement yeah. yeah how is how does it make sense for me to say that and so the way i i did the the acknowledgement was to say that it's we're doing that acknowledgement not because it's the thing to do but because by doing it by saying these things mm-hmm. like the territorial acknowledgement is to say that we're on the land of so and so and to acknowledge their presence on that land and to say it today like May 28 2014 is to say that this isn't history this is And it's somewhat performative as well, if you want to talk about performativity and speech acts, and by constantly redoing that and saying it every time, it's almost, it's a little piece, it's polite, but it's also giving it back in whatever ceremony or situation that's happening. But it's also making this a present question. Mm -hmm. Um, Dehistoricizing it. Yes. The same way that historicizing is violent because it freezes things in a certain dynamic and then the people in power. Yeah. From the past that we don't need to Mm -hmm. deal with in the present. Yeah. And And it's done. Yeah. And and so that's how for me it started to make sense to to do that. Everyone during stage at stage did after that event did a territorial acknowledgement. Yeah. Even when uh, the the events, the evenings were weren't about um, First Nation art uh, mm-hmm. or artists involving with First Nation artists, they every participant did their, their territorial acknowledgement. So, so there wasn't. It's the happening. Need, yeah, there. And Cheyenne told me after, you should, and I didn't do that, but you you could always do a territorial acknowledgement, and by always doing it then you're not doing it because it's the right thing to do in that context. Yeah. You're doing it because it's part of your com- uh, conviction. And, well, the uh, tool to no, that's, that's talk more about the... Sovereignty. But, yeah. or, but I, I like how, I mean, I've asked you about sovereignty in First Nations, and what you've been able to do comfortably is talk to me about your position and where you stand with it and I very much respect that that's my favorite (laughs) when people are figuring out where they stand instead of maybe standing up for other people or not standing up at all and not being cognizant of of their position or their politics Mm. some people like to think that they're not political and I think everybody everybody not everybody but everybody and everybody is politicized whether they acknowledge it or not Um, perhaps some people don't have the choice of ignoring it and some people do but we're all affected all the time yeah Mm -hmm. and more and more I want to like do exhibitions I'm thinking about an exhibition uh, about uh, colonization but in the in the way that the sovereignty of the self made me think about how can we be sovereign how can the self be sovereign when we're informed by stuff that we're not even aware of uh, and so I want to think about uh, works that question that uh, in relation to Femininity, like women issues, 
no. women representation maybe uh, and uh, first nation artists and think of think about it through um, the lens of education mm-hmm. um, and I'm thinking like can we think about patriarchy as a colonizing force to see how uh, problematics are dealt with by First Nation artists and also by uh, feminist artists. I see, and to see that relation or yeah. draw them out. You know Andrea Smith, the work of Andrea? Yeah. Oh, she's great. We're, um, we're going to end this. <laughs> I'm going to go. you got to go. Um, but thank you so much. You're for, welcome. For sitting down and talking today. This was really great. Um, and we'll look forward to your shows. Hopefully there's more. Thank you. My name is Yanni Ali, and you've been listening to an Art Talks Montreal conversation with independent curator Anne-Marie Saint-Jean-Aube. This is an edited version of our hour-long talk. The opening sounds were from Chris Zabriskie's Cylinders, and the closing song, Cripple Creek, was originally performed on Sesame Street by Buffy St. Marie. Hey, I got a gal at the head of the creek, and I'm going up to see her about two times a week. Kiss her on the mouth, sweet as any wine. Wrap herself around me like a sweet tater vine. I'm going, going up Cripple Creek, going in a run. Going up Cripple Creek, have a little fun. Going up Cripple Creek, going in a world. Going up Cripple Creek, see my girl. About half grown, jump on a boy like a dog on a bone. Roll my britches up to my knees. Wait, oh, Cripple Creek, whenever I please. I'm going up Cripple Creek, going in a run. Going up Cripple Creek to have a little fun. Going up Cripple Creek, going in a world. Going up Cripple Creek to see my girl. Think of that, Fred. <laughs> Bad, huh? I like you too. <laughs>